You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the RB1 Football Podcast. I am your host, Clark Barnes. Nothing is wrong with Pete. He is on assignment today. But I am joined by Jordan and Nick. How you doing, fellas? Doing good, Clark. Doing well, Clark. How are you? Excellent. Doing great. Uh, we actually, lots of news to get to for a before the draft April show. And so we'll just dive right into it. The big news today just happened this afternoon. The New York Jets finally trade Sam Darnold. I think we were all waiting for that to happen. Darnold goes to the Carolina Panthers for a 2021 sixth round pick, a second and a fourth in 2022. And so I think this is pretty interesting for the quarterback situation in Carolina. And I think good for Sam Darnold to be able to move on from New York. I'll throw it to you, Jordan. Does this news move anything for you uh i just absolutely love it for sam darnold because we get to see if the adam curse uh ewing theory is true and that sam darnold just finally gets away from a bad situation in new york and finally gets to play if he wins a starting job over teddy bridgewater but i think just with joe brady and company down there in carolina running the offense i think they have a pretty good chance of salvaging um what is left of sam darnold's career and i think it really takes them it kind of gives us a pretty definitive answer about what might happen to um deshaun watson which we touched on last week and what uh the early part of the draft is going to look like i don't think carolina thinks that their draft pick in the first round even though what are they at nine or twelve or carolina's eight this year Eight, yeah. Well, even still, at eight, I don't think they think they can get a guy that they like. So, right. So, um, I I think uh, we'll finally get to find out what Sam Darnold is. Right? There's no Adam Gase holding him back. Now they're in the uh, offense. I mean, the the Joe Brady offense. It's it's going to be a, a quarterback friendly scheme. I think that's really exciting. They're loaded. Um, maybe the bigger question here and and um they got way more than i thought they would in a in a trade i did not expect them to get like that second round pick in in 2022 um what happens with teddy and are there any landing spots that we would be excited about i saw nick underhill tweeting you know what happens with teddy now does sean payton value him more than Jameis winston and and Taysom hill could this be a spot for could, could he go battle drew Locke? you guys have any thoughts on that? I think that's an interesting take on it. I was, I thought that the value was right. A second next year, basically, and a couple of little throw-ins. 
made sense to me. Uh, my opinion on Sam Darnold is that the highs that I've seen from Sam Darnold seem much higher than the highs that I've seen from Teddy Bridgewater. I think what we saw from Bridgewater in New Orleans and then what we saw from Bridgewater with really creative play calling from Joe Brady showed that Teddy Bridgewater is a very good backup who you want to have on your team but isn't much more than that, which interesting point you bring up still puts him as better than a couple of starters that we have uh, that we're expecting to go into the year starting. Uh, Drew Locke is a really good one. A guy who is probably a boom bust backup quarterback. So I have given that zero thought. That's, that's interesting to think. I would, if I'm Carolina, I would keep Teddy just because you need two quarterbacks, but I don't know, Jordan. Um, I looked at the cap situation for Carolina because I thought Teddy Bridgewater had like a pretty team friendly deal, but I think if they cut him like right now, it's $20 million. And then after June 1st, I think it's like 15. So it's not great to cut him this year. And I didn't look at what the trade, uh, if they would have to take on any trade money, if they did that, um, New Orleans, I feel like is the only team I can see Teddy Bridgewater going and being, better than he was last year. Uh, just, I think like the acquisition of Sam Darnold makes it seem like Carolina thinks they got pretty much all they could out of Teddy Bridgewater. And like, that's just a manageable serviceable quarterback. Who's not going to really carry your team in the way that they want um, to just th- throw a jab in there. I just want to say that I think this is hilarious for the Chicago bears who stay taking L's on the quarterback market and could have gotten Darnold for this kind of deal as well, but alas. Yeah. Uh, every, yeah. Good, good call. We need to laugh at the bears. Um, the only other landing spot I think might be intriguing. I I'm highly skeptical, but uh, Pittsburgh could be interesting. Maybe if not this year, next year. Yeah. The, they're going to have to do something. And Ben Roethlisberger looked very bad at the end of the year. I'm going through, my top 150 ranks, which is like the biggest chore of the year, is getting that started, making sure you have everybody's name spelled properly. And there's just not really any Steelers too high on the list because of Ben Roethlisberger. So I don't know. In other news, the NFL expanded to 17 games, you know, for money, which is interesting. So this is going to actually cause some questions to be answered in our fantasy leagues. How are we going to? handle playoffs uh it looks like there's going to be one fewer preseason games which you know on board for that and selfishly on board for one more week of dss dfs and one more week of football uh nick what do you think about the 17 game season i think my my strongest take on it is that uh they the fact that they didn't do it with a guaranteed um extra bye week is a travesty uh, Goodell was making it a point to say that they were uh, following the science as you know what what is healthy or or unhealthy, and there were a lot of folks. Um, uh, Dr. Edwin Porras uh, of Fantasy Points was tweeting out a bunch of information about how the injury rate, both for like ACL and uh, concussion, I think were the two that he focused on. It's outrageously higher during like in season uh, or excuse me, during games than it is like at any other time, whether it's preseason training camp or, or practice. Um, so I, 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 you know, similar to your take, Clark, I'll be happy that we have more football, but they really need to bring in another bye week here, maybe even two, if, if we're being honest about player safety. Um, 
I don't think it does a whole lot for how I don't think we'll change the standard of uh, fantasy leagues. I mean, maybe maybe we talk about adding like a I don't know bigger leagues in another playoff uh, week, but it we'll probably just kick it back one week and um, yeah, this this time we'll be playing in week seventeen for the championship instead of week sixteen. Yeah, if you're managing a fantasy league, you're probably wondering what you should do in terms of. Uh, when to cut off like the trade deadline or when to actually have your championship, because like Nick said, it's kind of surprising. They didn't add a second bye week. Um, I don't understand. Like why not just expand the season to 18 weeks? If we're really going to do it and give teams two bye weeks, like have extra football consuming the public consciousness for two weeks longer than they normally would. That'd be, or a week longer than it normally would. That's probably great for the bottom line anyway. Um, And it makes me wonder if teams uh, like if you have a very good football team, like the chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who might race out to a really good start, if they're going to end up giving themselves like self-imposed load management, like the NBA and just sit guys. Like we were just talking about Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. Maybe they keep both of them because they want to sit one for an extra game instead of just, you know, packing on the mileage really. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out. It'll certainly shift some records. Uh, The, it seemed like the thousand yard season still stuck around. Even when we moved from 12 to 16 games, eventually a thousand yards, really just a mark of staying healthy now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with those numbers. Um, that's all the interesting news. Uh, Caleb Balage to the Steelers. Any comments, anybody? Caleb Balage? That yeah. I I uh so I, I finished my top one fifty today and I had him he's the I think he was the only Steelers back that I ranked. I mean, it's him versus Benny Snell, who's at this point I think proven to be like an unreliable two down plotter. I didn't see a whole lot from Anthony McFarland Jr. last year. Yeah, I think Caleb Balage is a capable dual threat. And, um, I didn't, it, he's kind of just, he is the lead back. Is is he not? If they don't resign James Connor, I think so. And Kalen Balage, like he showed some good stuff in spurts, uh, for the chargers. And I mean, he's not very, uh, well known to this point because for whatever reason, he followed Adam Gase from Miami to New York and just was like, yeah, this is good for me. This is good for my value. I'm going to do this. Um, so he has a chance to like kind of turn that around in Pittsburgh. And yeah, like you said, Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane are pretty uninspired at this point. Yeah. I'm expecting the Steelers to actually draft a running back for no reason other than I want that to happen. I think Nick, it's interesting. Usually I'm the guy with the affinity for the kind of plotting. Let's pick up two yards when we need a yard back. Uh, and that's just totally what I feel. Kalen Balazs is your point about him likely being the best running back on the Steelers roster is absolutely accurate. And the Steelers don't ever do what I think they're going to do in the draft, but God, what a, what a prime landing spot at like 27 or 20 for them to do something interesting and get a workhorse back to help them transition from Roethlisberger. Anyway, we'll see. There's uh, there's just hope abounds with the draft coming up. Uh, speaking of hope abound, will we be able to get anything out of the New England Patriots backfield now that we know James White has re-signed with the Patriots? I'm going to keep my answer that I've kept for the last couple of years out, and that's not really. 
Um, I, I also feel like James White is getting a little older and I don't think they utilize him in as valuable of a way as uh, when Tom Brady was the quarterback. So I'm probably shying away unless, um, gosh, who's that Bama running back they have? I'm, I keep on wanting to say Najee, but it's not him. He's a rookie. Oh, Najee Harris but, is coming out. Um, yeah. Damian Harris. Damian Harris. Yeah. Unless he like truly separates himself from the pack. I, otherwise, don't see it happening. Yep. Uh, Jalen Hurts changed his number from two to one. So obviously the starter in Philadelphia, there is a lot of hype uh, for Jalen Hurts going into this season already. I'm seeing early ranks of him being ranked number nine, number 10-ish. Nick, you said you just finished your ranks. Where where do you have him? Uh, Number eight. Wow, spicy. Where are you at? So he is in the group of this is why you waited on quarterback because there's still a lot of guys who could possibly be good. I think he's like 14 or 15 for me. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't think that the drafting public's going to let us take him there. I would love to take him there. Um, but his right now, the, the pass catching core does not seem like too promising. I think that there are good P I think that Dallas uh, Goddard is awesome. I think that Jalen Rager can become something, but they haven't really retooled that yet. And I mean, if they don't, he's going to be running all day, every day. I like Hertz if I can get him a little bit later than the projections because of maybe he just falls with people thinking that last year was like a fluke or not quite what you want to see um, from a from a quarterback who is kind of billed as this guy who's a like Lamar Jackson light in a way that he's just like a, a, he's a mobile guy and he's going to run. And I'm like, that's not entirely true. Um, I, I think this having Jalen hurts on the roster as a starting running back helps miles Sanders's value in that miles is San- miles Sanders's value has been way too low the past couple of years. And we need him to have a breakout season this year, or it might be over. <laughs> So that's, that's really interesting because this is the first year that I'm like kind of souring on, on Miles Sanders. I've been a, a big cheerleader of his, but I, uh, to me, I, I, I don't love him as much because one, I think Hertz is going to run. And so, I mean, he's not going to throw to him very much, but you, you think differently, Jordan, you think that, that Hertz is going to chuck it more and, and like go through check downs rather than taking off. I just think it opens up the possibility for um, Sanders to get more free looks. He might not have as many attempts because Jalen Hurts is running the ball, but if people have to guard, uh, yeah, guard 11 guys on the field, then that gives Sanders a little bit more of a one-on-one opportunity. And I don't think it it, it can get any worse than last year with Carson Wentz for him. So hopefully there's no way to go but up. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and I think the the Eagles' offensive line should be healthier than it was last year. The Eagles and the Cowboys had kind of historic injury luck last year with their offensive line. Uh, I I think this is a boon for Miles Sanders and and Nick. I think you're suffering from tautitis of you've loved this guy who is incredibly talented and he's been disappointed and now you're you're just upset that you've missed out. But I, I would not give up yet, not because I think. Uh, Sanders is going to be incredibly involved in the passing game, but just because of the dynamic that having a rushing quarterback comes with. And of course, uh, new Eagles 
head coach, uh, whoever, I, I forget the name, but Frank Reich's protege, uh, I think that that's just going to be big for the Eagles. Nick, Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni. I like him already. Never, don't forget. Uh, so, I, yeah, I got, I got Sanders in my running back 16 this year. Oh, that's – you're okay. Just give it some time. That's too okay. low. <laughs> All right. All right, that's that's gonna do it for the news. And uh, so after that, we've got an exciting game of Would You Rather. But first, an ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, and now we are back for another exciting game of Would You Rather. We've got three hot ones today. I'll say two hot ones and one relatively mild one. Uh, I'll start with mine, which I feel like is the mild one today. Uh, would you rather have Najee Harris go to the Atlanta Falcons or the Arizona Cardinals? I think this would be a terrible decision for both teams uh, where they sit now. Atlanta picking number four. I think them having an opportunity to trade back if a quarterback is still on the board and a needy team wants to come up from, say, like the 12 to 20 range, that would be excellent. Matt Ryan's still got a couple of good years in him. Uh, Arizona, unfortunately, doesn't have much draft capital either. They have a first-round pick, and I think like the pick 60, and then they don't pick until 160 again. So I'm hoping Arizona trades back. But one of these two teams needs a back. I don't believe that Chase Edmonds is a feature back. Where would you rather see Najee Harris go, Nick? Atlanta or Arizona? Or option So. Yeah, I, so I have um, Mike Davis currently ranked as the RB25 as he's the projected starter in Atlanta. The, the answer for me is, is Atlanta, um, and that's because of the Arthur Smith scheme. It is, uh, I, I guess you might say, uh, it was play-action centric. I was going to say running back centric, but it's, it's play-action centric, and the running back is featured heavily. Um if if we got if Mike Davis is like they walk into the season and he is the guy, then he needs to be rostered as a high end flex RB two because he's going to have explosive weeks because that's just kind of like what this scheme does. Um, with with Arizona, Chase Edmonds isn't going away, and he last year they had a big bodied pass catching back that they chose to utilize as a two down banger in Kenyon Drake. They really like Chase Edmonds' pass catching ability, and I don't think that that's going to change this year. Um, so I would rather have him, I'd rather have a, a like big bodied dual threat guy like Harris go somewhere where his biggest competition is Mike Davis, who has shown that he is, he can be a, a capable dual threat guy, but really only has one season of actually doing it in a lead back capacity. I think he's going to be much more of a backup, 
than a number two back, if that makes sense, uh, when you compare him to what Chase Edmonds is going to end up being. I'm conflicted on this one. I think this is spicier than you're giving yourself credit for, Clark, because as Nick laid out, he the only competition for Harris in Atlanta would be Mike Davis and the Arthur Smith edition is going to likely be huge there because he's the architect of some really fun offenses. And Arizona has like a really good offensive line. Now they really put some, brought some pieces in to help fortify that Um, chase Edmonds. I don't care what Cliff Kingsbury says. I don't think they truly believe that chase Edmonds is it like if that he's their guy, Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I'm not sure he's good. I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Atlanta just because Atlanta has some pretty solid offensive weapons that you have to look out for in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley on the outside. Um, So that might provide some lighter boxes and Mike Davis. I agree. I think he's a really great number two, but he's not the guy you, you pay to be your lead back despite what he did in Carolina, the U the year before, I think those were under some pretty special circumstances with the way the offense was flowing and he was productive from a fantasy aspect. Um, but I'm not sure they really want that to be what their lead back is doing. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Atlanta. Well, you're both right. Atlanta is the correct answer because we all want uh, Kenneth Gainwell to be picked in the second round by the Cardinals, uh, more of a pass catching threat, which would be more interesting in Cliff Kingsbury. We're not sure if you're very good offense nick there is some debate in the twitter sphere that you have selected fear would you rather take us through it yeah so with the first three picks now all i mean secured as as quarterback picks uh the number four which <laughs> hope i'm getting this right no is uh is since he number five since he's five atlanta's four okay yeah so atlanta could just screw all of this up but um, there is a fun meme of uh, Joe Burrow trying to throw passes. One, he's, he's uh, protected by Panay Sewell, and he is completing the pass. And the other, he's being harassed by pass rushers um, and is not able to complete the pass to Jamar Chase. Uh, so would you rather, if you are a Cincinnati Bengal uh, general manager or fan or what have you, um, would you rather end up with Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase? For me, it's it's Jamar Chase. We saw what these two guys can do together at LSU when uh, Jamar Chase was the best wide receiver in college football at the age of 19. Um, that kind of a breakout age, the measurables that he's produced uh, at his pro day, I, it, it seems like a no brainer to me. I know it'd be great to pair a left tackle in there, but I think that what you can do with good offensive linemen as like a, an average body working together is more than what you were going to be able to do with average wide receivers. But anyway, take it away. Well, I, I vehemently disagree. Uh, I, I am not an offensive line guru, but uh, Sewell is just pegged as, as much of a can't miss pass protecting left tackle as it gets. Uh, we don't often see so much hype for a left tackle. It comes around every couple of years, usually when there's not any good quarterback prospects. People start really talking about uh, defensive tackles and guards in the first round. But Sula has been pretty solidly pegged as like the second or third best player in this class behind Jamar Chase, by the way. Uh, The reason I pick left tackle is 
the offensive line is is the most important unit in football because it's protecting the most important position in football unless you are tom brady and can hit four different wide receivers on hot routes consistently year in and year out you have to get protection for your quarterback especially a young quarterback uh, and i don't want to overreact to the injury that joe burrow had last year but you just cannot do anything on offense if you can't protect the quarterback and if you can't at least threaten to run the ball uh on top of that the Bengals' pass catching room is stacked t higgins and Auden tate and i'm forgetting the other one tyler higby no that's the tight end tyler boyd tyler boyd I've been going back and watching some Cincinnati tape because I didn't watch it last year because who wants to watch Cincinnati play football? Joe Burrow's really good, and all three of those wide receivers are monsters who are just matching up against veterans and making them look silly. So even though I think Jamar Chase is going to be like an absolute league changer, I think Cincinnati's already stacked at wide receiver, and I think you just have to go with that like quote-unquote, it's the draft, and none of us know what we're talking about. Can't miss left tackle. So I'm actually – doing a little in-pod homework. I was looking at the video of Joe Burrow uh, tearing his ACL, and it's the line kind of collapses from the outside in, so that doesn't help with my argument that I'm about to make, and I feel like I'm surprising myself with this, but I think the Bengals should go Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase could be a like generational talent at wide receiver. They do have a lot of good weapons for Joe, uh, but I think that Jamar chase would just really like unlock this offense. If Zach Taylor is trying to um, preserve his job over the next year or two. And at pick 38, I still think that they can get some solid offensive line picks um, to or solid offensive line talent to add to the roster. Penny Sewell is like head and shoulders above everyone else. But I do think that the, the talent at 38 for pass catchers is going to be a little bit off of a cliff by then. Um, if there's like a true run on wide receiver talent, like we saw last year uh, when they drafted T Higgins uh, with the first pick of the second round. Yeah. I think I, I would go with Jamar chase and I, I think you got to do everything you can to coach up the pieces that you do have on the offensive line. Cause they have made a lot of picks in the past few years and they've added guys through free agency to kind of fortify this unit. I think last year's injury was just a little bit of a, a mishap, a little bit of a, all things coming together at the wrong time on a third and two play when they're really trying to go for it all on this, on that situation. So add Jamar chase Bengals. Don't be afraid. Jamar chase the rug that ties the room together according to Jordan underscore Smith 27. You heard it here first on the RB1 podcast. And so for our last would you rather, this one, uh, it is the off season. If you are in a dynasty league, this is uh, maybe the most exciting season, at least for me it is, because it's all about what could be. This is what I like to write about and what I like to look into. And Jordan, you had a good one. What is your would you rather? Yeah, so dynasty picks right now are at like an absolute apex for value. And it's a really wild time. Um, so my, would you rather is you need a tight end and a wide receiver in your rookie drafts for your dynasty leagues, but only have a top three pick and then a third rounder. So we're kind of talking about 
an Arizona Cardinals situation where they have a high draft pick and then they don't pick for a while. Um, do you draft Kyle Pitts in the top three and grab a Tamorian Terry or a Sage Surratt, one of those wide receivers who's going to be available late, but you're not really sure what they're going to develop into. You grab one of them in the third or later or draft Jamar Chase early, like the Bengals should, or a Jalen Waddle, and then go for a guy like Brevin Jordan and Hunter Long later in the draft. Uh, guys who will take probably two to three years to develop and will be sitting on your bench for a while, but they could have some skill. So for me, uh, it, it kind of just kind of comes down to the the primary uh, asset in in this situation. Um, with Kyle Pitts, who's going to be phenomenal if he goes to the right team, I think that you have a really high upside player. But what we see more often is outstanding receivers succeed regardless of the scheme that they're in. Now, they could find much higher highs if they go to a smart team that knows how to use them well. Um, but if they don't, they're still probably going to get like 120 targets and if a tight end like Kyle Pitts goes to the wrong scheme where they get a head coach, who's going to say, no, you're going to learn how to block. You're going to play only tight end. You're not going to line up on the perimeter there. Your, your pick can effectively just be blown up. Like I think Evan Ingram is, is kind of a good example of this where that dude, no one questions that he is one of the best patch pass catching tight ends in the NFL, but he doesn't really get used the way that he should be. Uh, he's forced to block or look at Jimmy Graham in Seattle, that kind of a thing. Um, so until if, if this draft is happening pre NFL draft, then I think you have to just go with Jamar chase. If it's afterwards and it turns out uh, Kyle Pitts ended up in a great scheme, um, then maybe, maybe you, you pivot and you, and you go with Pitts if, if it's really a bigger need. But I think for me, it's, it's a definite Jamar chase in this situation. I like this and I like that you picked the 103 because I'm thinking if it's not a two QB league, then I'm thinking, you know, Jamar Chase and Najee Harris are going one and two. So I don't think that you get to pick Jamar Chase, who if he was available, I would pick him instead of what I'm about to say, because I do think that he's a generational talent, uh, just mainly because when he played on the same field as uh, Justin Jefferson, he was clearly better. And Justin Jefferson uh, just won or should have won offensive rookie of the year. If he didn't just absolutely lit it up in Minnesota, but since it's the one Oh three. And since you mentioned, this is the season where rookie picks are more valuable than they are ever going to be uh, because humans are really bad at thinking that we can predict the future. Well, and so we think that we are going to pick the guy who's going to turn into the next uh, Travis Kelsey and TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant and things like that just don't seem to happen very often, at least at the tight end position. Uh, every situation's unique. Kyle Pitts looks like a freaking baller. But would you rather have Kyle Pitts or Stefan Diggs or Travis Kelsey or trade your first and your third for Devontae Adams? Because those are the ridiculous prices that the 103 is getting in leagues. You got to trade those picks. You're going to get veterans that you know are good and you're going to have to move them in a year or two or just go down with the ship. But you just, I, I looked at what people were giving away for the 103, and it just immediately, if I can't get Jamar Chase, I'm just trading that pick. I'll take some veterans. Yeah, I feel like this might be a great draft to trade down if you're not certain. Um, or if you're, you know, if the cupboard's bare, like in this trade or this draft situation, and you only have 
a first and a third, and maybe in later rounds you have another pick. Maybe you trade back a few paces and recoup some seconds or something like that. I keep on thinking back to the Vernon Davis draft, who, if you guys remember, like the pre-draft Vernon Davis hype, he, it was off the charts, just like Kyle Pitts. And now they're completely different athletes. Kyle Pitts is like Calvin Johnson type body and Vernon Davis is just a absolute beast. Um, but he ended up going high and you thought he could overcome his circumstances in San Francisco, but that just wasn't the case from a fantasy perspective. So I think with all that said, I would hopefully get Jamar chase. Um, if he's gone in the first two picks, then I'm trading back and I'll, I'll grab a tight end later. I, I think one thing Clark, you made me think of too, is that Travis Kelsey, um, Gosh, why am I blanking on the tight end from San Francisco? What the hell? George Kittle. George Kittle. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's Monday. Um, those guys weren't going off the board in fantasy drafts like in the first round. They just weren't. Like you can still find good guys in the later drafts. And even if Kyle Pitts goes to a good situation, by all accounts, it takes at least two to three years to really get good fantasy production out of a tight end. So I'm going to go with the long, the long duration of a good career from a stud wide receiver. Yeah, I like it. So you heard it here. No Kyle Pitts too early in your rookie drafts. So that's going to do it for another exciting episode of the RB1 podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We've got Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nick at ginger underscore underscore Nick. Of course, I am at NFL Clark and haven't tweeted for at least a year and a half, but still, you can give me a follow. Thanks everybody for listening, and until next week, have a good one.